Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. All right. Thank you all. We are now joined by John Probst, NASCAR Senior Vice President. Phone silenced, please, Bob Pockris. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we will open up to media questions, but uh, first I did want to give John the opportunity to talk about what you've seen today at Daytona, the, the uh, package that they're running on this race car, and, and uh, if that will be, in fact, what we will race. Yeah, thank you, Josh. I'd say that um, today seems to be a pretty good extension of what we saw in Atlanta. Now, granted, at Atlanta we only had three cars, but... We certainly, if you step back from when we were here in September, fighting a lot of heat issues with the drivers, steering issues, cars pulling one way or the other, um, and then just not generally sucking up very well. I think that, you know, credit to the engineers at the R&D Center with Brandon Thomas and uh, Eric Jacuzzi, they went to work, and you'll see, you know, in Goodyear for that matter, you know, we have Les Stagger here coming back. Uh, we got a lot of driver cooling updates on the car. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of good work has been done that, you know, what we saw today I think was pretty good racing. That's the racing I think we've become accustomed to here at, at Daytona and Talladega and uh, next year even at Atlanta. So I feel like, you know, overall a lot of hard work went into this. And that's not to, you know, the engine shops have been hard at work. The teams have been hard at work as well. And I, and I think that, you know, we can pretty much confirm at this point. We did have a few placeholders in the test plan to try some different spoilers, um, hoping not to get into the engine power. Um, and I think that, you know, we pretty much largely confirmed what we saw at Atlanta. We're pretty happy with the speeds that we had in that pack. Um, so right now I'd say that, you know, we're, we're pretty firm on the 510 7-inch um, spoiler for next year at Atlanta and obviously here at, Tal or at Daytona and then also at Talladega. Perfect. Thank you very much. We'll open the questions. Please raise your hand. Wait for the wireless mic, and you can start with your name and affiliation so John knows who he's speaking with. And Bob Pockris to your left. Test. Test, test. No. Bob, why don't you just go ahead and ask your question? Yeah, I think when you, like, as far as the speeds, you're, I'd say you're correct. We were 181, 183 at Atlanta, and I didn't have the speeds off the top of my head. I do know that we were searching for somewhere around 48 seconds to 48 and a half seconds. I know we had a couple cars there that went a little quicker than that, but it's not uncommon when a few cars hang back behind the pack that they're able to put up a number. Um, so I'd say we were looking for you know, 48 flats to 48.50s from the lead draft, and that seemed to be where we were today. Um, how do we determine that? I'd say that, you know, when we when we were here last year, we had, what, the 550 package. Um, we were racing at speeds 200 miles an hour plus. And I think that, you know, we had the incident of a car getting on its roof at, at Talladega, and that's when we went to the 510 horsepower, took the wicker off, mandated the 
the, the slip tape on the, on the back ends and probably a few other things that escape me right now. But it seemed like when you looked at the quality of the racing that we had there in the back half of the year at, at Daytona and the second Talladega, um, those speeds are, are, you know, the 185 range are, are pretty good. It's like a sweet spot for us. Um, so that's kind of what we targeted coming in here, knowing that I will expect that when we come back here for the 500, the teams will have uh, more power, you know, they'll have had more time to work on their cars. And then, you know, just the intensity of the trying to win the Daytona 500, you'll see it's not uncommon in a speedway race to see them start a race. And if you look at the lap times we ran here in the fall, the first half of the race was 48, 50, somewhere around there. And then as you look at the, the second half or maybe the last third of the race when the intensity picks up and they start really pushing each other, they will pick up eight-tenths. So we did that also trying to leave a little bit of margin knowing that, you know, when we do come back here, um, they'll pick up a little bit. But but still in the, that mid to upper 180 range would be our expectation. Did you have something else, Bob? Yeah, we're still we're still on track for five cars per team, like the latest timing we have out of the chassis supplier, and that's five center sections and seven front and rear clips. So it's it's kind of like five plus a little bit. Um, you know, I think that you know we're not immune to the to the world. We're we're seeing you know COVID and supply chains being delayed and uh, some of the the distribution being delayed a little bit. I'd say that, you know, right now we don't see any, like any parts or pieces that are going to keep any car from um, racing in an event. Um, we're working with the teams to make sure we implement backup cars in, a, in an efficient manner. And I think that while we're concerned, and I think everyone's concerned, and it's probably rightly so, it's what we do. We worry about things like that. We don't see anything right now that's going to that keep anybody from racing um, at an event. Uh, and in fact, you know, maybe the, you know, if you look at one of the main goals out of the next gen car, it was to change the business model and how we do things. I would say that, you know, hopefully one of the silver linings out of this is that a lot of folks will be able to see that we can do this on fewer than six to 12 cars sitting on the floor at any given time ready to go. So, um, you know, time will tell, but right now we don't, we don't, we're, we're concerned, but we're not, you know, we're not, we're not in a situation where folks aren't going to be able to race. Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, Athletic. I'm kind of following up on Bob's question. You, you, you say you're concerned. Have you had conversations or a backup plan in place in case there is a, a team experiences issues, you know, at Daytona, they lose a couple cars and having to reallocate. Have you had those conversations or have a plan in place? Yeah, we've, We've leaned on the teams and also the vendors we track, obviously, where parts and pieces are going. And any time that, you know, we see something, for example, like the chassis, um, we'll, we'll sit with the vendor and ask them, you know, what do they need to hit? You know, if they're on track to hit X, we'll ask them, you know, what does it take to get on track to hit X plus 2 or 2X or whatever. It depends on the part and piece. And 
a lot of times they've been pretty forthcoming about what their limitations are. If it's, you know, folks, I need more welders or I need more of this or that or painters or be, what have it. Um, we've, we've then um, worked to help them find, you know, through connections with the teams or with other uh, vendors in the industry resources to help them get through the, the short term uh, until we, we get all the supply um, where, where it needs to be. And the second question is, uh, is about Atlanta. Um, it's kind of a super speedway-esque race. In terms of officiating from NASCAR, maybe this is something you can speak of, but are there going to be uh, similar type rules with the like yellow line rule, for example, at Atlanta? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, Scott Miller would probably be your guy to answer that definitively. I would say that, you know, having been at the track now, I, I, a lot of those discussions around lines and uh, those sorts of discussions are, are just kind of happening now. The good part about being there and, and having the drivers, we had three drivers there, um, Busher, Chastain, and, and Kurt Busch, is that the, you know, S Steve Swift was there as well from from Speedway Motorsports, and, you know, their drivers are telling us about track, hey, it'd be nice if this or that. We just put them in a truck and had Swift drive them around, and uh, I saw them stopped on multiple occasions out talking, pointing. So... I feel like a lot of the driver feedback was direct with, you know, Steve Swift and the crew over there. They've done a good job uh, in a pretty difficult uh, repave to get the banking and all the equipment that, that went into that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the lines and stuff like that are under discussion right now based on feedback we had from the drivers at that test. Jim Hunter, motorsport.com. Uh, John, I was wondering if you could just kind of compare and contrast a little bit um, what you saw from both the team perspective and being ready to race uh, from the last time you guys tested here at Daytona uh, was I believe October last year and what you've seen today as far as uh, being ready to race in general and how the teams have uh, kind of adjusted and become acclimated to the car. Yeah I think when you look at the last time we were here, it was either September or October. I would not take a bet on either one of those dates. And, you know, we, we struggled there. The driver feedback was pretty blunt and direct about things we had to fix. And you look back then, many of the teams had their R&D teams running the car here. And um, I'm not saying that's bad, but now certainly we've had multiple tests, um, mostly at Charlotte where the, the race teams, travel guys, have had their hands on the car. And I think we, we see a, a pretty big pickup with respect to the pace of the test and the number of changes we're able to evaluate. So I think that's good. When you look at also the last time we were here, you know, we had driver cooling issues. Uh, throttle pedals were hot. We've implemented a number of changes to the cars there that, that will help that significantly. And frankly, that also added some drag to the car. So when we came here, we weren't sure. When we were here last time with, I think it was seven or eight cars, the draft speeds looked pretty good. We felt like we were in an okay spot with the seven-inch spoiler and the um, 510 horsepower, but then we made those driver cooling changes, added some drag, and then we were a little worried about, oh, what will our speeds be? Um, came here today. We have lowered the cars just a little bit. Um, that's probably helped our speed some. Uh, if you look last time we were here, you know, they were darty. The steering was really quick. They didn't, they weren't comfortable being close to each other. They would not have run double wide like we saw today or even three wide. I saw there a couple times. Um, I think that 
you'll see that as an industry, like when we've had issues with driver cooling or the steering, like we've grabbed the best of the best in the garage and um, with the vendor and us to sit down and go through and try and figure out ways to fix it. Saw it with the steering. We had a few follow-up tests on that. I feel like that's in a good spot now. Um, cars pulling left and right on and off throttle. Worked with Goodyear on that. We, we're here today with uh, reduced stagger, which has helped fix that problem. So I, I feel like, you know, uh, when we left the test back in 2021 there, um, we didn't leave here feeling great. We felt okay. You know, we had eight cars here. They made a ton of laps. So from a mechanical perspective, we felt like we were in a good spot. But like getting the feedback from the drivers, we didn't leave here feeling very comfortable that, you know, if the race were tomorrow, um, that we'd put on the best show that we could. So went to work um, with the industry, um, our vendors, and, and the folks, the engineers at, at NASCAR. And I, I feel like today that was roughly a, a dual-sized group, and you saw them get single file there for a while, and they'd be double file next time by. So I felt like, you know, that, that looked like what we're pretty used to at, at Daytona and Talladega to me, which when we left here in September, we had a lot of work to do. Uh, was not guaranteed that that's what it was going to look like, but I feel like coming out the other side of it now, um, we're pretty happy with what we saw. You know, to Bob's question, we feel like the speeds are right about what we want to see here at a test, knowing what we'll pick up when we come back. Um, so we feel like we're in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah, when when we released the test plan to the teams coming in here, we we had you know package A group run, reevaluate package B group run, and that was more or less placeholders from our standpoint that we we had told everyone we're shooting for a 48 flat to a 4850 for that main group at the front, and if we hit that, we're out of your hair. NASCAR is going to kind of step back a little bit and let it. This is an organization test, not an open NASCAR test. So our goal was to get, and and that's and understandably, right, when we have a new car, you know, we need to be more involved in setting up packages and evaluations and group runs and things like that. But that's not like the traditional org test and how it's run. Typically, we just show up, turn the track over to the teams. They do whatever they want. Um, but and, and we're trying to get back to that. We're trying to get to, to kind of that normal sense of what org tests are as quickly as we can. So once we hit those numbers, we've already sent the message to the teams that um, we're done. The track's yours. Um, so for the next day and three quarter, well, we've run up a bunch now, but for the next day plus, we've we've turned it over to the teams. I think you will see some drafting going on, probably largely along OEM lines, from what I've heard. Um, but beyond that, we're just here observing, listening to feedback that that drivers, crew chiefs, engineers, mechanics, tire guys, whatever, want to throw our way. We're going to wrap up with Mike, please. Um, Mike Henry, Auto Week. John, did you see enough in the drafting session today to have an idea if the cars are going to react basically like they have in the past couple of years? In other words, if if, if you pull out of the draft to the inside with turning two lines into three, is that car going to be more or less able to move along by itself or, or any indication of that kind of thing? Um, it'd be really early. I wouldn't make any definitive statements on that. I would say that it would appear that you're still going to need help to go. Like, I don't think you'll see a single car out there maneuvering through traffic on their own without needing help. But um, 
I, I don't think it, like from what we saw today, now granted there's, there's no trophy, there's no points, there's no money on the line, so I think the level of intensity when we come back will be ratcheted up significantly. But I think that if you look at what the cars were able to do as far as spreading out, grouping back up, moving around, definitely three wide a couple times, I feel like um, we're in a really good spot to put on a pretty good show come February here at the 500. Um, and, you know, back to some of the questions earlier, I think uh, if we'd have left here in September like that, I'd have probably had a lot better sleep in the off season there. And um, I feel like now, though, I don't want to jinx any of it, but I think we're in a pretty good spot to put on a good show. So it does mean we're done working. We're going to continue to work, but um feel pretty good about today. Awesome. Thank you very much, John. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on day two of our next-gen test here at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, we are joined this morning by Dale Earnhardt, Jr., who is driving the number five here this week uh, for Hendrick Motorsports in the test. Uh, we'll go ahead and just open it straight up to questions for you guys. Uh, so please raise your hand. We'll start over here on the far left with Mike. Mike Embriado Week. Dale, a lot of the drivers have talked about Essentially, the only thing the same about this car is maybe the seat. But is that your experience? Is it a kind of total new environment? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty um, it's pretty different from from what I remember. The uh, the you know when I drove the car at Bowman Gray, I only drove a few laps. I wish I'd ran a lot more, but um, I was amazed at how well the car had forward bite and drive off the corner with the independent rear suspension the car just gets out of a corner better it works the tires work independent of each other the rear suspension works independent of each other whereas the rear end housing of an old four nine inch they, they sort of argue and fight against each other as you're trying to go around the track and so uh that was pretty pretty uh pretty fun to feel I think that when you go to Martinsville or even you know, obviously the road courses and places like that that the way this car is going to throttle and, and exit is is going to be much better um, the braking power and ability of the car is 10 times better and uh, the car just really stops real well with uh, less potential for lockups and and so forth so uh, it does all these things a lot better, but uh, here, here at Daytona, so I never drove um, the cars with the big spoiler on the back. Um, I don't think that I've ever ran uh, the cars with that with that size of a rear spoiler. So I'm a, I was pretty taken aback yesterday while we were drafting just how much drag is on the car. The cars don't really pr produce runs. Uh, like that, I, like I was anticipating or like I was expecting. Uh, in years past, or in the in the in the 20 years or so that I raced here at Daytona, you could develop a mo you know some momentum or get a run or create a run, whether it was off the energy of a car behind you or whatever it was, and and that run would maybe last a half a lap. That momentum or speed or extra boost might last more than half a lap, but whatever you you know, however long it lasted, it was a, it gave you this ability to like, okay, I'm gonna make a move with this. This is some good momentum, and I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna 
side draft a couple cars and, and continue that you know momentum and, and use it to pass. Um, and I don't know if I feel like that with as much drag as these cars have that they create that type of opportunity. You just sort of are stuck where you're at. And uh, there's no, there's no, I didn't feel like when I was out there in the packet, I was able to develop a run uh, in the traditional sense. You're kind of just there. And uh, I think the only real way that I saw guys making anything happen for themselves was to put people three wide and which uh, I think that's kind of how this Daytona 500 is going to look. You're going to see side-by-side double file until uh, guys are tired of doing that, and then they're going to be three wide. And I think at the end of the race, it'll be tons of three wide. Um, and But there's so much drag on these cars. I, I was I was really um, surprised at, at, at how much drag is on the car. But um, the... Uh, the steering is very fast. It, it feels one to one. Uh, if anybody's ever raced a go kart, I use that as uh, an analogy. I'd, I'd compare it to. I know not everybody's drove a go kart, but um, when we, uh, you know, when you go through the corner here uh, in in the older cars, or you're side drafting, or whatever you're doing to try to move the car around the racetrack or across the racetrack, um, you're um, you're going to turn the wheel about a fifth uh, in this car. So the very surgical. Somebody used that term yesterday, and I think that's a great way to describe it. It's very very delicate and very very small movements with the steering wheel are going to give you the same reaction in the car that a big movement or a lot of movement in the wheel would in the old car. And the uh, I think the one thing that's uh, something to kind of pay attention to and keep your ear to the ground to is um, all of us have drove these cars for all these years with the big with the manual steering box, and you get muscle memory. You know, when your car gets loose, you you got to idea it's instinctual you don't even have to think about it of how much to turn the wheel to correct that slide to catch the car um to get over to that guy's quarter panel who's a couple lanes across the racetrack on the back straightaway you know what to do to, with the steering wheel to get there without hitting him but get right next to him and and get everything you can out of that side draft and uh and i think you know you got to relearn all of that with the rack and pinion you uh, you gotta you gotta uh, you you can't have you can't rely on that muscle memory or that in that instinct and some guys will um, to a fault you know make those type of adjustments that they've made all these years uh, and overdo it you know and that could could get interesting and a little messy in the race so uh, I was talking to William Byron and. The other uh, yesterday, and he said um, I was telling him about that very thing. I said, you know, I, the one thing I'd be, I'd, I would, the one thing I would probably be dreading the most is, is I need to get loose. I need to almost crash. I need to find. I need to get in trouble so I can figure out um, how much uh, input to give this car and how to correct this car. And I got to, I got to relearn all of that. Um, uh, and understand, you know, and adapt to the steering box or the steering rack in this car. And he, he told me, he said, yeah, I've, 
I was, uh, I felt the same way, and then I had a bunch of big moments throughout the testing that he's done, and he said, you know, that's that's made him start to understand where the grip level is in the car and how to react to the car when it's out of control. And a lot of guys that are testing haven't put themselves or found themselves in those situations, and they might not find themselves in those situations until the last few laps of the Daytona 500. And they might not have that you know, knowledge and experience of sort of getting themselves out of trouble. And so that's going to be interesting. There'll be various levels of, of uh, you know, experience throughout the field, and especially late in that race when it comes down to it. So, and and you got to be brave to to drive the car up in the middle three wide and and do whatever you got to do to to move forward with a car that doesn't want to move forward, with a car with a lot of drag on it that doesn't want to get runs, and and uh, so it's a uh, it's it's going to be very intense i think in the race uh with this car and how different it feels just how different it steers how different it uh you know drafts from what i'm used to anyways i i think this car probably drag wise and and things i'm talking about as far as it not really creating runs and 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 things like that it's probably very similar to the car they've been running because of the rear spoiler but it's the first time i really have felt it at daytona so uh, that that threw me a bit. Next, we're going to go to Bob and then Holly. Uh, Bob Hockris, Fox Sports. I know you told Dustin, don't read into this, that you're going to do the Daytona 500. But I'm curious, did yesterday make you want to race more or less or no impact? No impact. Um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, it's a long story, but... Um, I'm old, 47 years old, and take a guy like William Byron. He's young. He's a risk taker, and uh, I'm done taking risks. You know, I got I got two little girls that I love being around, and um, I put my wife through a lot to 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 race. You know, half of my career that she was with me, uh, she put everything in uh, you know in her world on pause for for eight or ten years while we did all that. And uh, I just don't know that at 47 years old I would be willing to take the necessary risks out on the racetrack that a young guy like William Byron would would is willing to do, you know. And I just I think I've always wondered, you know, like what happens to what happens to these guys and how you know when the when the performance starts to sort of nose over and the and the and the top and the wins become top fives and the top fives then become top tens and then these guys kind of fade off. Some of these guys race, you know, well beyond their successful years. And I've always wondered, like, what was the, what was the uh, cause of the performance and the change of performance? And a lot of times it's, it's the car or the team or the performance and, and the ability of the car. But I think, too, a lot of it's just your risk assessment, you know, and your your willingness to – you know, put yourself in very dangerous situations uh, time and time again, you know. And, you, you know, we used to say that when guys, young guys would come in and they would have this amazing raw speed, uh, we used to say, well, they haven't hit anything really hard yet. And that sure slows you down when you do that time and time again. And um, so when I was out there 
in the pack and watching those guys get a little crazy. We don't have a lot of inventory with these cars, and so they told me I wasn't even going to draft uh, the other day. So I, I was coming here thinking I was just going to run some single-car runs, and then right before the draft thing happened, uh, Alan said I was going to go out there and draft. So, But I know they only got a couple cars and can't really do any damage to to these things with Daytona right around the corner, the 500. So, uh, but watching those guys up there, it, it, like them drivers didn't care. <laughs> they were going to have fun and duke it out and dice it up and learn what they could learn. But, uh, you know, I think once you get to a certain age, you just, you know, you you got to be, if you're not willing to go out there and put it all on the line, you know, I don't think you can, you can, I don't think you need to be competing. So I don't know if I really have that instinct anymore. Um, so, but. It just, uh, you know, plus you just got other things you want to do. You got other things you enjoy doing. But this has been fun. I think that if I'd, I was kind of wondering about my, you know, my broadcasting and how to how to do a better job and, and how can I do my best job. And uh, certainly having some time in the car is going to be a big benefit for me. I feel so much better about going into the booth today as as I did a couple of days ago, having not been behind the wheel of the car. And I know that I'm not learning everything I wish I could learn at Daytona. It'd be better to go to Martinsville or Richmond or even turn some laps at a mile and a half somewhere uh, to get a better understanding of how the car feels at those tracks. And hopefully I'm going to keep my ear to the ground and, and hopefully have the opportunity to, to follow a team to a test and get some laps at some of these other racetracks. But it's... You know, that's about all the interest I have in driving these cars. I do love racing in Xfinity Series, and uh, and that's a little, it's a completely different, you know, vibe there. The whole culture and everything is way different. But uh, so I don't feel that same, I don't feel that same concern about that sort of instinctual risk-taking stuff. This is, uh, the Cup Series is elite. You don't just show up and think you're just going to go out there and compete. Um It'd be like, you know, an old retired football player just showing up for an NFL game and thinking he's going to go out there and compete with those guys. He's, he'd get destroyed. So I remember when uh, McMurray came back and ran a couple years ago for Spire, he got out and he told me, he said, man, I don't remember it being that hard. <laughs> so it, it's tough. It's not an easy thing. And uh, I was I watched him in that pack in front of me in that first drafting session. I was like, man, I can't believe I used to do that. We go to Holly and then Kelly and Zach. Dale, you kind of spoke about what I was going to ask you. Was how did this kind of come about for you to be in the car for this test? And do you still have any? Is there any possibility we might see you racing in the Rolex again? You know, I uh, I don't I, I haven't covered the Rolex. Um, I hate to say this, but I have to be honest. Um, so when I ran the Rolex. They were like, man, go out there and just run 80, 90 percent. You know, we we worked in in our test sessions. You know, we pushed, pushed, pushed to uh, try to match their, you know, the lap times of the of the experts, me and my dad, and uh, we worked really hard and and overstepped the boundaries a couple times and wrecked the car a few times. But the, in the race, they're like, you don't have to do that. Don't even have to worry about that. Just go out there. We just got to keep it in one piece. Run, have fun, no pressure. Lap times ended up being okay in the race. I was pretty happy with it, but uh, but you didn't really have to push. And uh, the having worked the NBC uh, the 24 hour frame with NBC the last couple of years, 
those guys are qualifying every single lap of that race. I mean, they are at 10 tenths, and these are the best road racers in, in the world that are competing in this race. I got no business out there. Um, I don't. I mean, you know, you see the, you see the delta and discrepancy between some of my peers that compete with these guys, you know, and, and we're never the, you know, any of our, any of us that drive these stock cars that get in those cars, we're, we're never the, the number one guy on the team, right? We're kind of the, the last guy they want in the car. Um, but, uh, and it's gotten more and more difficult, I think, for, for, uh, you know, the, the, the non-IMSA guy to go into that world. Uh, and, and, and be competitive it, because the talent and the ability and the speed, the pure speed of those guys has just ramped way up in the 20 years that, that I ran. So it's crazy, yeah. I admire it, you know, the ability and the speed that they can maintain for 24 hours and the pace that they can run. Um, it's pretty incredible, to be honest with you. But um, I forgot the first half of your question. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, just thinking that um, thinking that some laps in the car would help me. I didn't know how I could go into the booth in July and tell people this is what the driver's thinking and feeling if he if I had never felt it, you know, and, and this car is going to be completely different. So I just wanted to make sure I feel like that I would have more confidence in my own voice and my own delivery having had some time in the car, and that might help me. So, um I was uh, asking around. I asked Latard. He's got a connection to Spire. Uh, if maybe I could get behind the wheel of their car for just even a run or two. Me and uh, the boys uh, were going to come down here. Uh, Burton and, and Latard were going to come down here and walk around and be nosy. But if I could drive a lap or two, that'd be great. And uh, so I was just calling around RCR and a couple other teams to see what they're doing and what and uh, I ping Chad Canals a few times and I think I ended up texting him about six times uh and he he was uh, receptive to the idea and as we got closer and they started understanding more about the involvement of their drivers in the chili bowl and how how um you know how much they were going to be uh, committed to that and uh it just made more sense I think for them to just have me do it all and not worry about a guy coming back and forth and trying to squeeze uh, one of those drivers in into a few laps here and I you know so they got William uh to to really lean on um but I was happy to have the two days Chad didn't think I wanted to do the two days because he remembers uh me as somebody that didn't really like testing but um having not done it in a long time I was happy to help him out and it's really helped me out I'm taking a ton of notes and and learning so much about the car that I think it's really going to when I talk to the drivers now, I think I can understand what they're talking about, right? When I can ask them about what's what's challenging about this car and this track, even if we're talking about another racetrack, I think I can understand, you know, when he says, this is what I feel, I can really kind of, you know, tap into this experience and, and really know what he's talking about. I think that'll be helpful. Go to Kelly. KellyCrandallRacer.com. Dale, along those same lines, when you go back in the booth now between running here and running Bowman Gray, what are some of the things that you feel more confident about talking about that you only would have gotten now that you've been in the car? Well, the biggest thing about this car uh, that that's different to me uh, is the rack and pinion steering and how that feels. 
how fast and quick it is. And, uh, you know, that, that to me makes this car a completely new, new animal and, and, and totally foreign. You know, that feel and steer in the steering, you wouldn't think that what would be so different. You know, it turns the wheels left and right. How could that feel any different? But it, it, uh, it's 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 quite different and, and take, will take some getting used to and, and I think it's one of the things that the drivers have really worked hard and and spoken a lot about to try to try to uh, improve and change the feel of the rack and pinion uh, to be able to race around the ovals. It, it probably is amazing uh, to use what they have at a road course, but when you're going around Daytona or somewhere where you need a really kind of a slower slower uh, ratio. Uh, this 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 thing they got here is is a little bit too quick for me, but um, I think uh, you know that that's probably going to be the one thing that 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 takes the most getting used to, and it'll be something you adapt to. The brakes is another thing. When I went to Bowman Gray and ran, I only ran a few laps, and I probably uh, should have spent a lot more time in the car. I regret not really running a lot more laps. I never got even close to overdriving the car into the corner the brakes uh stopped the car way quicker so when we were uh when you come into the pit road here at daytona on a green flag stop you would start lifting and braking as soon as you got off of the, the transition of the banking and the turn as soon as you got straight and got the car kind of straight and aimed at the at the pit road way way back there in turn four that's when you'd start braking or, or thinking about slowing the car down and uh and it took all of that, all of that distance up till the the the, the um, pit road speed line to get the car slowed down, right? And uh, with this car, you you cut that distance in half. You don't have to start braking until halfway uh, into that same, you know. So the the braking power is an, is enormous. And so at a place like Martinsville, uh, you know, you're going to brake way later. You're not going to get into the brake pedal. Uh, till much later in the corner, and it's going to do all of the stopping right in right in a very short period of time. It's it's uh, completely different. So just trying to learn that braking performance and understand where the limit is and what's too far. Um, you you know, a driver, these guys can learn that in a, in a very short period of time, in a couple hours, maybe a day of testing at a, at a track like Martinsville. They'll they'll finally get to a point to where they feel like they're getting everything they can. But uh, you know, that, those are some of the things I think that'll they're gonna have to go that go to every track and you know that, and learn these things because uh, each track will need a little bit of a different application. Or so the other thing too is the uh, the rear the right rear tire with the shorter sidewall. There's not uh, there's a lot less information that you're getting. As the driver of the car and, and the field, there's a lot less information that um, that you're understanding about the right rear tire because that sidewall was sort of a sensor, uh, and def the deflection in the sidewall when it was taller, it deflected a lot more. And so when they make it short, they have to make it stiffer, and so that sidewall really doesn't do a lot of moving around, and and that would give you an understanding of of kind of how much grip you had in the right rear of the car and, and how, how to, you could kind of drive the car off the right rear tire and I don't think you can do that with this car. So the driving style is 
for a lot of guys, they're not really going to. Some guys like to hang right rear out and, and kind of be loose. And, and this car, I don't know if they'll get there. They'll figure out how to set it up to where to race that way. But right out of the gate, it's not easy to do. And so trying to understand how much grip you got in the right rear tire, it's, it's almost like somebody's unplugged that sensor, you know, and it's just not working. And you know where everything else is, but you just don't know nothing about what's happening in the right rear tire. Uh, this goes back to that conversation I had with William. He's like, man, I had to slide it a few times to go, oh, okay, that's what that feels like. And, and um, okay, now I understand, I think, how much grip this thing really has. But until you do slide it, hopefully you don't crash into anything when you slide it, you don't know. And that's, that's tough. We're going to try to get two more in here before you have to let Dale go. We'll go to Zach and then finish up with Jordan. Yep. Zach Albert, NASCAR.com. Dale, um, NASCAR Hall of Fame is nine days away. Um, what do you hope for for induction night? Oh, man, I don't really have any expectations. I'm just uh, just going to go and enjoy and, and uh, got a lot of friends and family that will be close and, and be around. So um, I don't know what to expect, you know. So I hope that uh, – you know, I hope that it's a great experience for um, for myself and for Red and Mike's family. I hope that um, you know we can we can move uh, move back. You know, I hope it, it's nice to be able to sort of get this process going again for the for the for the next round of guys and and girls that get inducted and and start getting that process going again because we've kind of been on hold for a while and had to push back a class. Um, so. But I'm just, I don't know what to, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just uh, going to go with a, with a good, good positive attitude and, and enjoy everything that happens. And, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. We'll wrap up with Jordan. Jordan Bianchi Athletic, you, you've talked about what you've learned with this car and how it kind of helped you, you know, broadcasting and kind of an understanding of this. I'm wondering what feedback you've given to the team that you think can help Hendrick, you know, when they come here in a few weeks. Well, um, you know, they made some changes that have that have developed, um, found some speed in the car, changed a couple things that made the car go a little faster. And I'm just trying to help um, Alan understand what I'm feeling in the steering and and basically uh they'll make changes in the car aerodynamically to try to make the car faster and uh that might that might make the car go faster uh down the back straightaway but am I is it hurting the car in the corners am I having to turn the wheel more it make the car tight did in my you know is, is is anything happening that's slowing the car down as I go in and out of the corner and uh when it's really windy you know, I can I can help him sort of understand how he's made a change that has helped the car not be quite as affected by the wind. With this car being as 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 draggy as it is, you know, trying to get it to cut the air and get through the air is really important. So when he uh, you know when he makes a change, sometimes that might um, that might help help the drag a little bit or something like that. So um, you know, I I just uh, I try not to. I try not to really overdo it in terms of being descriptive about what I'm feeling out there. But I just, uh, you know, I just kind of let him know whether I think that I had to turn the wheel a bit too much 
you know, the run before, I really didn't need to turn the wheel in the corner, and I felt like that the car went through the center of the corner faster because of that. Now we've changed some things, and it's faster on the straightaway, but I think I got more wheel in it, and that's probably not a great thing. And, you know, they go back, and they look at the computer, and they go, you're right, but it's faster, and it's the gain on the straightaway is worth it, but worth the negative in the corner. You know, they'll they'll decide whether, you know, they want to keep that change or not based on, a, you know, the information they're seeing, but I just give them whatever feedback I think I can and uh it's been hopefully helpful yeah I think um Chad came by at the end of the day yesterday and seemed pretty happy with the uh, feedback and so yeah it, I mean there's not much the driver here uh can do but uh to make the car faster but I just try to tell them what I'm feeling all right thank you all we are now joined by John Probst, NASCAR Senior Vice President. Phone silenced, please, Bob Pockris. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we will open up to media questions, but uh, first I did want to give John the opportunity to just talk about what you've seen today at Daytona, the, the uh, package that they're running on this race car, and, and uh, if that will be, in fact, what we will race. Yep. Thank you, Josh. I'd say that um, today seems to be a pretty good extension of what we saw in Atlanta. Now, granted, at Atlanta, we only had three cars, but we certainly, if you step back from when we were here in September, fighting a lot of heat issues with the drivers, steering issues, cars pulling one way or the other, um, and then just not generally sucking up very well. I think that, you know, credit to the engineers at the R&D Center with Brandon Thomas, and uh, Eric Jacuzzi, they went to work, and you'll see, you know, in Goodyear for that matter, you know, we have Les Stagger here coming back. Uh, we got a lot of driver cooling updates on the car, um, and I think that, you know, a lot of good work has been done that, you know, what we saw today I think was pretty good racing. That's uh, the racing I think we've become accustomed to here at, at Daytona and Talladega and uh, next year even at Atlanta. So I feel... All right, we're going to continue with our media availabilities here at Daytona International Speedway during the next-gen test. We're joined by Joey Logano, who was in the number 22 Team Penske Ford yesterday on the first day of the test and is here spectating today and to talk to you. Uh, we will open it straight up to questions for Joey. Please raise your hand, and we'll get a wireless mic. We're going to start on the far left with Mike, and then we'll go to Bob. Mike Hembry, Auto Week. Joey, what about the speeds? Are they pretty much kind of what you expected? And how are they different from when when the tests were run here uh, last year? Are the cars different? Um, well, the cars, you talking about when we were here last time here, the first test of the next-gen car? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the speeds are comparable to the same. Um, I think speeds sometimes are just kind of relative, too, though, you know, to understand um, – you know, what is good racing, right? Like, to me, I've watched great racing at 60 miles an hour, right? Like, it doesn't matter, uh, I think, how fast you're going sometimes. Um, you know, I think yesterday we saw the, the draft out there, and it was pretty intense, uh, you know, for, for a test session. <laughs> you know, we were we were bumping and blocking and moving around, and, uh, you know, so there's, I think, you know, that helped me feel a lot more comfortable about what the 500 is going to be. Um, you know, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty good uh, after seeing that. 
Um, you know, as these teams get their cars driving a lot better, I'm going to be honest with you, when I was here, you know, last year for the test, I was pretty concerned. Um, but the cars were so new, they weren't driving good. I mean, I think it was all over the place, you know, and I was like, Man, we can't get the thing to drive down the straightaway good. <laughs> we, we got our, our hands full. Um, but that's just kind of over time, you give these teams some time to develop the car, develop what, you know, setups are in it. Uh, NASCAR, uh, you know, adjusted the stagger on the cars, right? It's a good year. So they did some things to try to help a lot of that, that the going straight piece, uh, here at Daytona. And, you know, I was, I was nervous when we went out there in the draft because I wasn't sure how it was going to be. I know what it was like with when we had six or eight cars here last year. Um, and it was white knuckling the whole time with just eight cars. So I was concerned about what 20 was going to be like, but it was fine. Um, like I said, we went right back to, you know, racing hard um, out there and, and trying to learn as drivers, how do we move our way through the field? How do you stay towards the front? Like, yeah, we, we still have areas we want to get better with our cars for sure. But it was a good opportunity for us drivers to go out there and start learning about this car because the air moves around the car a lot differently than, than the old car does and what you can and can't do and how, you know, you stay up there and the runs and the pushing and all that uh, definitely has changed. All right, guys. Hey, listen, it's uh, been all about the <laughs> testing at Daytona, guys, and uh, it's been the weather's been great, and uh, I mean Dale Jr. was some more fired up. He was in the number five Kyle Larson car there. Uh, Kyle Magnum, how we doing? Hey, well, we know I, uh, Mr. Larson's been in the. Uh, busy at the Chili Bowl, so they brought in uh, Junior to run a few laps for him, and uh, uh, Kyle Larson's not the only one down at the Chili Bowl from Hendricks. Evidently, uh, Chase Elliott's having a pretty good time and running pretty good down there, guys. Uh, so I've heard. What do you say, Kyle? We're having problems with Kyle's phone here. Can you guys okay. hear it? It's on mute. That's probably why it wasn't working. Okay, Kyle. I've been there myself, Kyle. Wait a minute. So, uh, yeah, Dale Jr. Dale, Dale Jr. in that number five car, you know, accustomed to winning lately. Um, yeah, uh, Rico Abreu winning last night. Um, Buddy Kofoid out dueling Kyle Larson in the Chili Bowl Thursday or Tuesday night. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and um, I got the EMPA convention this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's a major snowstorm expected to hit the East Coast uh, Sunday and a Monday. So uh, hoping we get that in, you know, we get everything in. And uh, just hoping the weather cooperates. And I'm uh, going to see my father as well, you know. I'm going to spend some time with him and to see Aaron Creed again, you know. Uh, only going to be a month or so since we last saw him. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully we'll see Aaron and uh, catch up a little bit and Dino and the rest of the crew so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes so uh explain that kyle is that that's a banquet there'll be a hall of fame banquet um uh, saturday night uh, honoring the uh the inductees and uh you know they'll also announce the jim hunter rider of the year award the ace lane senior photographer of the year award and uh few other awards i can't think of all of them but uh 
guys are going to have to be ready. You know, uh, you know they have a banquet at 6 o'clock, and, uh, you know, looking forward to the full day Saturday, a Saturday morning. A bunch of speakers coming in, and uh, really looking forward to, to another EMPA convention. You know, it's been about four years since my last one, so... Uh, Dino wanted me back. He got me back, and I'll uh, be my first convention in a few years. So uh, looking forward to it. Well, congratulations, well, Scott. Go, go get your favorite cigar Kyle. and enjoy it. And enjoy it. <laughs> you know, he has a, an article uh, nominated for best article, also rowdy. So it's going to be quite tonight. And another good friend of ours is going to be there. Rich Corbin, our friend from. Uh, photographer from Marca, uh, I believe he has a photo up for uh, nomination. And uh, keep an eye out for Rich at the at the banquet, Kyle. Let him know who you are and what you're doing, my friend. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to meet up. I met Phil Cavalli a few years ago. Uh, from uh, you know, he does uh, multiple clients. He used to have the HotLap.com. NGNRacing.com, if you guys remember those sites, that was him. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Winston Cupstein, as I call him, I hope he's listen. I hope he hope he listens, or he's he's probably on a boat somewhere in Florida, but uh, or North Carolina. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. You know, I met a lot of interesting people there, guys. And uh, you know, we've seen uh, Ray Everham, Ricky Craven, Doctor Dick Bergeron. Uh, I think of who else is there, but uh, that's who I've seen when I've been there. Randy uh, was, I'm sorry, uh, no, Randy LaJoy's son Casey was there. So, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of interesting guys. Uh, Ricky Craven was awesome. Ken Squire, who was the keynote speaker at my first EMP wow. convention in 2015. And uh, if you go on my Facebook page, you can see me with a, with a, a talking to him with a, with a Heineken in his hand, so... Uh, if you want to check that out, it's always a cool photo. It's on my Instagram too. I don't, just so you know, I did post on Instagram this weekend, first time in about a year and a half. So uh, yeah, I checked that out as well. Just just threw up a, a, a photo or two, but uh, subscribe, 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 subscribe. However you want to say it, do it. And uh, just oh, just so you know, there's two buttons on the Roddy Maglite page now. That's what's the show and the YouTube page, and they work great. <laughs> Yeah, thank this you, Kyle. Good. Rowdy, Rowdy look, approves of them, so look for that quick response, that QR code. We we got it, so it'll be at a track near you soon. It'll direct you right to those two buttons. And Kyle, uh, looks good, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, somebody somebody suggested it, and I was like, "Yep, I can do that. I just have to figure it out." <laughs> so, well, there you you're, go. You're our- you're our man on that end, Kyle. That's for sure. Thank you for uh, appreciate your technical expertise, my friend. That's for well, sure. Guys, we got five Not minutes that here. We're, we're going to be out of time because I planned tonight just a 60-minute show. So, uh, Kyle, what you got to get us out of here, man? Well, guys, uh, head of the Wilkes Fair tomorrow night, uh, Genetti's, uh, which I, I, I know, of course, but I used to be. I'm from there. Uh Looking forward to seeing all the speakers. Looking forward to seeing Dino and Earl and the whole the whole gang. Um, looking forward to EMPA. Hopefully, you know they have a good time partying. There's gonna be a lot of after party <laughs> stuff. So uh, hopefully, I know that's gonna probably go to two or three in the morning. But uh, 
you know, uh, been there, done that. So, uh, you know, but still, you know, it'll be a good weekend, you know. Um, hospitality rooms, uh, Champions Night tomorrow night, Friday night, you name it. Uh, Saturday speakers, banquet Sunday, or Saturday night, and then we have the breakfast on Sunday with the voting, and that's it. So hopefully we get out by the snowstorm, and I'm back at home, and I'm safe, and I don't have to worry about no snow or anything. Man, I hate winter so much. <laughs> well, hey, Roddy, I'm going to jump right on in there because I caught my eye on the clock there. Kyle, thank you. Enjoy yourself this weekend. I can just imagine the stories we're going to be able to hear about what went on this weekend and in the past. So have fun, bud. Say hello to all our friends. Roddy, let that light shine bright, and we'll see you. All right, guys. Hey, uh, Kyle, appreciate the website. looks good. Mark, thanks a lot for being part of the show tonight, guys. And, uh, hey, we got Charlie Crawl calling in at 7.30 Eastern time on uh, – Monday night show. It's going to be dedicated pretty much to ARCO. Got another driver going to call in. So stay tuned for Monday night. Follow me on, on hey, listen, if you ain't on my TikTok page, you ain't getting the current. Got some mm-hmm. Red Farmer stuff up. Mm-hmm. So follow Check it out. my YouTube page, guys. Hey, and as always, keep that light shining, guys. It's going to shine bright this year. Bright, bright, bright. We'll see you Monday night. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. I know.